0: Good morning, everybody. Good morning. Let's see here. Uh, our hymn of invitation this morning will be number one eighty three, Wider Than Snow. It looks like Miss Lisa and Miss Hannah has got children's church, so anybody wants to go over for that twelve and under, I encourage you to head over. Uh, one eighty three, as I said, uh, Wider Than Snow, will be our hymn of invitation. It's certainly good to see everybody out this morning. Good to have you here with us. And it's always a privilege for me, of course, to share God's Word with you as well, especially this favorite time of year that we have. It's a time of joy and peace that we have for celebration of the birth of Christ. As you know, we've been looking at a little Christmas series that we've done this year called The Heart of Christmas, and today is... our visitors, for those logging into Facebook or YouTube later on, we want to welcome you and uh, invite you to be back with us uh, anytime that you're able. If you're looking for a church home, we'd like to encourage you to consider Locust Grove as part of that. Uh, last week, if you remember, we looked at hope uh, as being part of Christmas, and, and uh, no matter what we face in life and no matter what's going on in the world around us, we can be assured that God is in fact with us and we are securely in his plan when we are a a member of the body of Christ and uh, that we can have that hope and that the Lord will meet our needs in the time of our needs. Today we look at another aspect of the heart of Christmas and that is peace, peace. If you would, uh, turn in your Bibles over to Luke chapter 2. Uh, verses 8 through 20, and this is where the bulk of our sermon will come from this morning as we think about peace, and the reason for Jesus' birth is God's desire to see his creation uh, no longer be broken or in conflict with sin or due to sin, but rather to be restored and to be at peace, and that divine path to peace began in an unlikely place. And with some unlikely characters, as Harold mentioned this morning in his prayer. And that's what I want to look at, that's where I want to begin today's study. Luke chapter 2, verses 8 through 20. And there were in the same country shepherds abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night and lo, The angel of the Lord came upon them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were sore afraid. it was, as it was told unto them. The heart of Christmas is peace. And peace delivered to the earth, delivered to all of mankind, was delivered first and foremost by some unlikely messengers. Unlikely messengers. Looking at verse 20, it says, And the shepherds returned glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen and was told unto them. Group of odd people, not those that you would normally go out and and first pick for the first announcement of the arrival of Jesus in Bethlehem. Of course, we know the multitude of heavenly angels uh, came to this group of shepherds who were out in the field that night, watching their flocks, keeping them safe, keeping them protected from all the dangers uh, of the area shepherds in the first century Israel were individuals who they were on the fringe of society really they were out at, uh, didn't have a lot of contact with people because of their job their job kept them away from their family and friends and, and those neighbors that they may have normal normally been able to contact be in contact with they stunk they were dirty some untrustworthy But nonetheless, they were willing to watch over and care for these animals. So that tells me that they had the heart of a servant, the heart of someone that was willing to to serve the flock to keep them safe. And we see that they lived on their own, traveled around, moving the the flock from from grass from pasture to pasture as they began to eat it down, rotating uh, that uh, grazing. We follow that today. matter of fact, it's recommended that you, you do rotational grazing, but we see that we didn't invent that here. We see that this is something that has been done for, for thousands and thousands of years, is to move the flocks around. It would have been interesting, and maybe you've thought about this in the past, but for the first readers of the book of Luke to read that the angels came to these shepherds, for the announcement of the birth of Christ. These shepherds who were looked on as, again, the fringe of society, they smelled bad, they were dirty, they were out in the field with animals all the time. Some of the people would look at this as a shocking thing, but we know that the Lord uses whom he will. He likes to promote people. From, from what society says is unworthy, unusable, Lord will take people like that and promote them and use them for his will and his purpose. And we see that here with the shepherds. Imagine if God asked you to plan the announcement of his, the birth of his son, the Savior of the world. How would you choose to make that announcement? Now today, something really popular is that we have these gender reveal parties and and they do the the whatever way that they put up the smoke that indicates whether it's a baby or uh, the baby's a boy or a girl, pink or blue, and they have parties and we have wedding showers and we have receptions and we all eagerly await the coming because we have a due date uh, that they're able to tell us and, and we're able to induce labor and make the babies come earlier if we need to And so today we have advantages or we have methods of doing this that, that wasn't available to the shepherds wasn't available to common people but except these angels God knew the exact day time, place, and hour that Jesus was going to be born And he sent his angels to these shepherds to make that announcement. And they went themselves and looked upon what the angels said and verified what they said. And once they did that, they began to go out and spread the good news of the birth of this Savior. You ever wondered why shepherds? One of the oldest professions in the world. We know that in creation that Adam was given dominion over all of the animals, right? And we remember what Abel, his son was referred to as, a keeper of sheep. So it was one of the first three occupations that were ever known to man. We know Cain was a tiller of the ground. Abel was the keeper of the sheep we call what Jesus called himself in John chapter 10 he says I am the good shepherd my, my flock my sheep know my voice so these shepherds have a long history what about God what about Psalm 23 Well, that's one that we're, we're all familiar with the Lord is my what? shepherd so shepherds have a long history in the Bible. And now that we begin to, to study and realize and look at this, we can see how it really is appropriate that God used these shepherds to announce the birth of His Son and our Savior, Jesus. Now, Bethlehem was just a couple of miles outside of the city of Jerusalem. It's really a suburb, rolling hills there in Judea, as it begins to transition into desert. A shepherd would be guarding his flock against the predators of the night. Sheep would be gathered into his sheepfold. Interesting, these sheep would probably be some of the same sheep that they were guarding, they were watching over, that, that would be used for the sacrifice in the temple not too many weeks in the future for a feast. You may or may not know that the shepherd's that did this, even though that they guarded and, and they raised and they tended and cared for these sheep, because of their defilement and being out and around, they weren't allowed to they weren't allowed to worship in the temple. They weren't even allowed to be a witness in court. A shepherd was not, when you go back and look at the at the law. And it's because of their work. Shepherds were really the most unlikely group for this angelic announcement if we would have any of us picked out someone to do that but as I said God loves to take people and promote them imagine now how many of us identify with the shepherd with this group of shepherds they're just ordinary guys ordinary people out there doing their ordinary jobs no great fanfare no fame no notoriety they're just out doing what they do for a living like all of us or have, maybe you're retired, but at one time you did your job, you went about your life, you raised your family, you had your friends, and you had the things that you, that you do now and things that are important to you. There, we're no different, really, than these shepherds. And when probably uh, asked about the royal, uh, if you want to look at it from a standpoint of royalty, we would be called commoners. We're just common people. But that's who God sent. And when God wanted to announce the arrival of His Son, He did it in the pres didn't do it in the presence of kings or in queens. He announced it to the poor, to the forgotten, to the commoner. And it's truly good news because God's favor was offered to these shepherds, but then surely God's favor and peace are available to each and every one of us as well if he would use the shepherd, those that are considered to be outcasts of society, and use those to announce the birth, the greatest birth known to man, then that good news is available to all. And that's one thing that we see with this announcement. And that's why Jesus' birth was such good news. It was the ultimate answer to the brokenness that exists because of sin. The separation and brokenness between us and God, between us and other people, and our own conscience. Over in Colossians, Paul wrote this, chapter one, verses nineteen uh, and through twenty-two. Colossians one nineteen through twenty-two. He says, for it pleased the Father that in him should all fullness dwell. And having made peace through the blood of his cross by him to reconcile all things unto himself, by him I say, whether they be things in earth or things in heaven, and you that were sometime alienated and enemies in your mind by wicked works, yet now hath he reconciled in the body of his flesh through death to present you holy, unblameable, and unreprovable in his sight. Now we oftentimes we don't sing we don't sing Christmas songs about those things, do we? But that's exactly what his birth ushered in that we that that accept Christ as our Savior, that use Christ as our guide and follow after his teachings, someday we will be able to stand before God in judgment, holy, blameless, unreprovable. And that's what Paul is writing here to the church at Colossae. And that's the hope that we have to understand. And that's the peace that was ushered in at Christmas time. And we have to understand that. Although Jesus arrived in a In a manger, his life would lead to a cross. Peace that, though we're just ordinary people, we are part of God's creation. And He loves us and desires us to have peace. And the peace that someday we will be presented holy, unblameable, unreprovable before Him. Because we all want peace, don't we? We want peace in our marriages. We want peace in our families, in our workplace. We want peace in our country. We want peace in our world, don't we? We all desire peace. But I think we have a different view of peace. Because the world offers you peace, doesn't it? It's really not peace, it's just a way to escape. Drugs, alcohol, immoral relationships, constant entertainment. How many channels are available on television for us to watch? Hundreds, if not thousands, of of television stations. Every imaginable kind of station. Radio programs, musical, uh, we have music availability, we have plays, we have concerts, we have ball games, we have all sorts of things for what? To escape the turmoil, to escape the conflict, to escape just for a time, even if it's during the course of the time of a ball game or a concert or a movie, we escape the turmoil in our lives and we have peace. That's not peace, though, is it? That's just a reprieve. Peace is something that we would be able to carry with us each and every waking and sleeping moment of the day. Peace is something that only God can give to us. Peace is something only... The world can't give. It never held the tr- answer to true peace. Only God has that through Jesus and through his saving grace. That's where we find that true peace. If you look in verse 14 there in Luke chapter 2, we'll see that the message is of true peace. 2.14 says, Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace goodwill toward men now I've oftentimes sang that song many I can't tell you how many and you couldn't tell me how many times you've we've all sung this song peace on earth good will toward men and it wasn't until really that I was studying for this sermon that I realized that that wasn't me and you having goodwill toward each other you know that's not what it is that doesn't mean that you and I have peace toward one another, which I hope we do. but rather they're talking about and proclaiming that God peace through God, because He has good will toward men. Goodwill coming toward men in the birth of Jesus Christ, He said, because that's the true message of peace, goodwill toward men, because of the availability of God's grace and mercy, His love which came down. To have that harmony with God. To be bounded and joined and woven together with God the Father through Jesus Christ the Son and, and God the Holy Spirit in our lives. That's the peace, the goodwill toward men that those angels proclaimed was the peace that was coming available to us. That we could be assured and confident and secure of God's love and his care. Paul knew this peace. He suffered greatly because of the love for the Lord that he had. For his love of God's truth. And because of the commitment that he had to his commission, his job to do here upon earth, given to him by Jesus Christ. Yet in all of this, he kept perfect peace. How do you know that, Rob? Well, read over in Romans with me. Romans chapter 8, verses 28 and 29. And listen to these words. As I said, from a man who had been beaten, stoned, shipwrecked, ridiculed, left for dead, scourged by the Romans, he writes this. And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are called according to his purpose, for whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. If you don't have peace in your heart, if you don't have the reassurance of God's love, if you don't have the reassurance of the salvation that is brought by, by Jesus Christ in relationship with him, how could you go through what Paul went through and be able to write that says, listen, I get it, everything that I go through is all, all for the good of God, all for his glory. That's how come, because Paul had that deep abiding peace within him that he knew, that even though he was going through some personal struggle, even though he was going through personal physical pain, that it was gonna work out for the glory of God. Many people reject God's peace because they cannot see beyond the temptation that the world puts out in front of us, the fake peace. They won't, they won't surrender, they're too prideful, they're too selfish, and the lust for pleasure is too great. Jesus said in John chapter uh, 14 Gospel of John 14:27 he said this Peace I leave with you my peace I give unto you not as the world giveth give I unto you let not your heart be troubled neither let it be afraid The only way that we can receive the peace is to receive Jesus as our savior he didn't leave us the peace, as he said, not the peace that the world leaves, but my peace, he says. And how is that? Now, who receives that to people that have their names written in the Lamb's Book of Life? You have that peace. We've oftentimes studied, we remember uh, in Philippians chapter 4, verses seven, verse 7, about the peace that passes all understanding. Because peace is not the absence of conflict peace is not the absence of turmoil. Peace is not the absence of war, though we call it peace time. There can still be turmoil going on in the world. Peace is when we in our soul know that we have a relationship with God, that we know him and he knows us, and that we have the faith and confidence in his grace and mercy that whatever we find ourselves in, whatever circumstances we find ourselves in, even if we're a shepherd on the outcast, out in the fringe of society, even if I'm not accepted by anyone on this earth, I'm accepted by God because of Jesus Christ. That is peace. That is that peace that passes all understanding. And that is the peace that the angels proclaimed and that goodwill toward men on that night that they went to the shepherds to proclaim the birth of Jesus Christ. That's the kind of peace because ultimately Jesus does reconcile us to God. Look at verse chapter 2, verse 11. Chapter 2, 11 of Luke. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. They didn't refer to him just as a baby, did they? A child. Unto you this day in the city of David is born a Savior. And that Savior, his main job, even at the the infancy, when he was first born and laid in that cradle and swaddling clothes was to reconcile us to God. So many years later on the cross his job was still the same. And he and he alone can reconcile us because the scriptures tells us there's no other name under heaven by which men can be saved. And that's Jesus. God desires to make peace, or desires us to make peace in ourselves. And listen, that includes every past mistake, every personal struggle, every worry about that you may have for the future. That is meant. That is meant through the love and grace of God. And He desires for us to reconcile ourselves to Him through Jesus Christ. It was the only way that we could. We could come together and have a hope for eternal life. The law wasn't doing it. Only Jesus could do that. And when we're able to do that, when we're able to reconcile with God, then you know what we can start doing? We can start reconciling with other people. Because we've been forgiven, we can forgive. And when we're able to forgive others, that lightens that burden of past mistakes, past regrets. And once we have those items cleared up in our lives, you know what we're able to do? We're able to encourage others that we encounter to, to seek out that peace, to seek out that forgiveness or that forgivingness spirit inside our hearts. And then we can be examples of the Christ child. We ourselves can be those that promote what Jesus came here to do for our benefit. Jesus' first coming was the arrival of God's light in this world, by by man. He was fully man, man. he was fully flesh. But what we must realize is that one day in the future Jesus will return, and he will return to make all things right, but he will return to call those who are his. First those that are buried, it says in the scriptures that those that are are in the grave, the graves are gonna open and they're gonna meet him. And those that are left are going to remain or be called up into the air. And that's me paraphrasing that, of course. But then there are going to be those that are left behind that are going to stand judgment. And we're all going to stand judgment. But only those that are in the Lamb's book of life is going to be called up to meet Jesus. And that's what we have to understand and realize and recognize that that's what this peace, this peace that this baby that we celebrate this time of year his birth our Lord and Savior Jesus that's the peace that those angels were talking about that's the good will that those angels were proclaiming to those shepherds is that someday when Christ returned to this earth to recall those that were his I am the good shepherd my, my sheep know my voice when we hear his voice we're going to be called up to that shepherd the rest will remain here sadly in judgment Jesus will say I never knew you now listen I think you'll agree with me on this the world needs more people who have the peace of God in their hearts and who are willing to share that peace with other people and that's something that we as Christians should carry every day within ourselves is that peace God's peace We find peace at the heart of Christmas because God desires us to be in the right relationship with Him. He desires us to be in the the right relationship with ourselves, and He also desires us to be in the right relationship with other people. And that's the peace that comes. It's the reason that Jesus came to make that possible, regardless of your past Regardless of where you are right now, peace is available to you, but you have to surrender yourself. You have to surrender yourself and all of that past, all of those things that you feel like are holding you back, even though you feel like you may be on the fringe of society, even though you feel like you've done things in the past that there's no way that you can be reconciled to God. Jesus wipes that away, but you have to submit to Him. You have to be willing to repent of your sins. You have to be willing to confess Christ as your savior. You have to hear the word and believe the word. And when all of those things come together and work with inside of us through the Holy Spirit, then we're led to be baptized for the remission of sins and the gift of the Holy Spirit, raise that new creation full of what? Peace. Because we know that we have received the grace of God through Jesus and his sacrifice. Now maybe, Maybe you're a Christian. And maybe the troubles of this world, the troubles of this life, the things that's going on has robbed you of your peace. And trust me, Satan wants to rob you of peace. He doesn't want you to be peaceful. He wants you to be at turmoil day and night. He wants you to be distracted because of something that you think is beyond uh, God's control. He wants to rob you of that peace. And if you realize that, hey that's exactly what's happened to me or that's what's happening to me or or I've experienced that I want you to seek out and reach for that peace because God wants you to have it that's why he's in his son here and realize that as long as you're in the care of God the Father God the creator of all things there is nothing in this world that can separate you from that love nothing we're going to sing a hymn of invitation this morning Wider Than Snow, 183 in your hymnals. We're going to sing the second and the fourth verse. Wider Than Snow, second and fourth verse. I want to encourage you to come if you have a decision to make, come as we stand and sing this hymn. 183, Wider Than Snow.